Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome once again. Thank you for joining us for the ministry and the service today. It's Resurrection Sunday, the day we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. God is moving by His Spirit in this time. My little grandson, Clive, announced to us last night, if God isn't moving, nothing's moving. And we're so thankful that God is moving. Today is the day we celebrate our risen Lord. We celebrate his death, his burial, his resurrection. Today we celebrate the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ for mankind, for salvation. I have an old acrostic that I'd like to bring forth. It's old, it's new. Gospel. God offers sinful people eternal life. That's the gospel. God offering sinful people eternal life. Today we remind ourselves of the great words of Luke chapter 24, 6 to 8, the announcement made by the angels at the tomb, the empty tomb on resurrection morning. He is not here, but he is risen. Christ is not in the grave. Christ is not dead. He is not here, but he is risen. And the angels said to the women that came first, he said, remember how he spoke to you when he was yet up in Galilee and saying the Son of Man must be put into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, but the third day he will rise again. The third day he will rise again. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. I felt the Holy Spirit quicken a portion of Scripture to my heart for today out of Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Beginning verse 22. Peter said to the people of Israel, he said, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. It was not possible that he should be held by it. For David spoke concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because you will not leave my soul in hell, Hades, the realm of the dead. Neither wilt thou, will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of joy with your countenance. Verse 24 again, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that Jesus Christ should be held by it. It was not possible that Jesus Christ would be held by Satan, sin, darkness, death, and the grave. Jesus Christ could not be held, and neither can you. Satan couldn't hold Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 2 that on the cross, Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers. 
They came to claim him. They came to claim him on the cross, but the Bible says that he stripped them away from himself. He flung them away from himself. They had no power over him on the cross. Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince, the ruler, the lord of darkness, Satan himself, now he will be cast out. Satan couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't hold him. His life, his body, his being was made an offering for sin, a sin offering for the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made sin. It's a mystery that we can only look into so far. Who can understand the divine, infinite exchange of his righteousness for our sin and our sin for his righteousness? Jesus Christ on the cross offered his life as a sin offering for us all. He offered himself for sin. And as he hung on that cross, the fires of the judgment of God burned against sin and consumed that offering. And when that offering was complete, he cried out the words, it is finished. The sacrifice that secured our redemption, our release from sins was finished before he gave up his life. And then the Bible says he breathed his last and gave up his spirit. Sin could not hold him. Darkness could not hold him. Right from the beginning, the Bible says in John chapter 1, in him was light. He was the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. As he hung on the cross, darkness descended upon Skull Hill. It wasn't the clouds that were blotting out the sun that day. The Bible says the sun turned to darkness. It was signifying the judgments of God. When the sun turns to darkness, the judgments of God fall, and the darkness came. The judgments of God fell on his beloved son. And in that unusual gloom, it may well be that the paschal moon turned blood red in the sky. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, cried out those words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that we might never be forsaken of God. The darkness couldn't hold him. Death and the grave couldn't hold him. He took the sting out of death. He conquered the grave. He said, behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades, the unseen world. I have the keys of death and of hell. He conquered the grave. He stood in resurrection power and glory. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The sin and death and the grave could not hold him. Satan, sin, darkness, death and the grave could not hold Christ. And it cannot hold you. Satan cannot hold you. Once we were under his power, once he was our Lord, we were under his cruel tyranny, but now Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says in Psalm 107 too, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Our soul is escaped, the Bible says, as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Satan cannot hold us. Sin cannot hold us. 
Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not master you. Sin shall not reign over you as it did when you did not know Christ. The Apostle Paul cried out as he saw the wrestle that was on his own members, the warfare of the flesh versus the spirit. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This death principle, this sinful propensity, this sin principle in my members. Who shall deliver me from this warfare of the flesh versus the spirit? And he didn't wait a second. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin cannot hold us. Darkness cannot hold us. The apostle John said in 1 John 2, he said, the darkness is past and the true light is now shining. The darkness is past and the true light is shining. We have the light of God. We have understanding. We have revelation. We see through the darkness of this world. The Bible says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. The Lord shall be a light unto me. Darkness cannot hold us. Death and the grave cannot hold us. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The Bible says the sting of death is sin, but our sin has been dealt with. Therefore, death has no sting. It has sorrow, but it has no sting. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And again that triumphant shout, thanks be unto God for his victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, New King James says, though he die, yet will he live. And whosoever lives and believes on me will never die. Satan, sin, darkness, death, and the grave cannot hold us. They could not hold our Lord, and they cannot hold us. It's not possible that he could be holding of these things, and it's not possible for a true Bible-believing, spirit-filled believer to fall to these things as well. They have no hold. They cannot hold us. Further, circumstances couldn't hold him, and they can't hold us. We can't be held by circumstances, the circumstances of life, difficulties, trial, distress, many situations that come upon our lives in this world. The Bible says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? In all these things we are more than conquerors Note the word, it says, in all these things. It doesn't say out of these things. It says in these things. Now, it's nice to be out of some things. It's nice to be out of some distress and persecutions and trouble and trial, but those things don't dictate our victory. Even when we are in those things, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Circumstances couldn't hold him, and they can't hold you, so don't let them. Do you remember Jesus' words? Told his disciples, he said, I'm, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. And I'm going to rise again. But they couldn't receive his words at that point. Said, I'm going to die and be buried, but I'm going to rise again. They couldn't receive his words. All they could hear was, die and be buried. Death and burial, gloom and doom, that's all they saw. But he said death, burial, and resurrection. Do you remember the first time that he brought those words to his disciples? They would walked with him for at least two years at this time. In Matthew chapter 16, approximately a year before the cross, Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense. You're a, you're a trap unto me. For you do not have a mind. You do not have a taste. You do not savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Just before that, in the same chapter, Peter had spoken great revelation of the Lord. For Jesus has asked his disciples in Matthew 16 and verse 13, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they began to answer. Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ the Son of the living God, your Messiah. Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter, you, and the other disciples have been walking with me for two, two and a half years. You've seen the miracles. You've seen, as it says, a man approved of God by miracles and signs and wonders. You see the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning Messiah, and these wonders and these truths have worked in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You didn't come upon this by your own perception, because no man can conceive this by himself. But Peter, you have been taking in the Word. You've been taking in the Holy Spirit. You've been judging these words and these truths, and you've come to the realization that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, the Father has been working with you to bring forth this realization and this revelation and he said unto him you are Peter you're I call you Peter you're a rock the rock man 
And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, this revelation of who I am, this rock of revelation, upon this I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I give unto you, Peter, I, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What a word over Peter's life. What a prophecy. What a declaration over this disciple of Christ. And just after that revelation, Jesus began to share with them, listen, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die, but I'll rise again. They couldn't hear their rising again. And Peter took Jesus and began in the oriental fashion of rebuke to shake him. He took him by the shoulders and he shook him. He said, Lord, this shall not be to you. Far, far, be this from, far be it from you, O Lord. Far be it from you. He said, I'm, I've, I'm Peter. I'm, I'm the rock man. I've, I've got keys. I've got a ministry. I've got prophecies. I, I'm going to bind and loose. And Jesus, I'll even bind you to serve me. I'll even bind you if you're if you cross my expectations. Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Some have tried to downplay that word, meaning adversary, but you can't misinterpret Jesus' words. Get thee behind me, Satan. Is it possible that a Christian, a believer, can speak the words of Satan? Obviously so. Just a few moments before, the great declaration, and now in the flesh, speaking something, and Jesus, something contrary, and Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, you are an offense. You are Greek scandalon. You are a trap right now to where I'm going and what I'm doing. Scandalon, a young sapling trap stick which would snare an animal and that animal would be held until the hunter would arrive and strike that animal through with a dart. Jesus said, you're being an offense to me. You're, going, you're being a death trap to me right now. He said, he said Peter, you're, you're not in the mind of God. You're in the mind of the flesh. You're looking after your own interests. You're looking after your own pleasure, your own future in the earth instead of where I'm going and what I'm doing. See, Peter at that point only had a prosperity gospel. No adversity. Prosperity, no adversity. Success, no suffering. As soon as there was adversity, as soon as there was suffering, as soon as the purposes of God cut across his own expectations of life, Peter rose up, he reacted, he was upset, he was threatened. He began to come against the Lord. He began to speak against the will of the Lord that was upon the Lord's life. Jesus knew how to handle prosperity and adversity. Jesus knew the prosperity of God, but he also knew adversity in this life. Jesus knew how to handle the success and the suffering, and he walked on in the will of God. Jesus Christ overcame every circumstance, and so can we. In Matthew 17, the next chapter, 
Sometime later, after the Mount of Transfiguration experience where the heavenly glory shone through Christ, it shone through his body. His face was radiant and his countenance shined as the sun and his clothes became white and glistening. They came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and again Jesus pulled the disciples aside to him and said, listen, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to, be, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. But I'll rise again. They only heard death and burial. They only heard darkness and gloom. They had no concept. Their spiritual capacities hadn't been developed yet to see beyond the death and the burial that God was going to do something and bring forth a greater life than they'd known to that point. They could only see death and darkness. The Bible says at that point they became exceedingly sorrowful. Exceedingly sorrowful. Their expectations had been dashed. Their hopes in life had been dashed. Everything that they were living, the popularity, the buzz of the crowds, Messiah, the ministry, everything they envisioned for themselves had somehow come to an end. And they were exceeding sorrowful. And it wasn't but a few weeks after that that they came to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the disciples were not only sorrowful, they were sleeping for sorrow. They'd given up in the darkness of life. They'd given up in the trial. They'd given up in the circumstance of life. They were sleeping for sorrow. While Jesus was in the most momentous hour, and they were too, the most momentous hour that ever came upon the world, the cross, the time when Jesus would die for the sins of men, conquer Satan and sin forever, and raise up a people in heavenly glory, in that moment, while Jesus was courageously battling the, and moving forward in the purposes of God, coming against the enemy, coming against his own natural inclination. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering. But if not, Lord, your will be done. I will drink it. He just needed the assurance that he still needed to drink that full cup of suffering at that point. And once he knew it, not my will, but yours be done. The Son of God was in distress, the Bible says. The Son of God was under such pressure and under such powers that even the blood vessels beneath his skin began to break and blood began to come through his pores. This was the stress on the Son of God as he moved forth in the will and the purpose of God for this world. He said to his disciples, he said, watch and pray. He called for them. He said, watch and pray with me. This is a difficult hour. While he was praying and groaning and interceding, they were sleeping. Imagine what it would have meant to one of, what it would have meant to the Son of God if just one of those disciples had cast off his slumber, slipped over in the darkness of the garden and put his arm around Jesus' shoulder and said, Jesus, we're we're with you. We're we're praying for you. We know it's difficult. We know the call of God and the purpose on your life is of great cost. We're with you. Go on in the will of God. We encourage you. But he had to go on alone. He had to go on alone. Not one disciple rose up out of their slumber. While Jesus was overcoming the world, his disciples were sleeping. While Jesus was battling the principalities and powers of darkness and ushering forth the kingdom of God, his disciples were sleeping. He said to them that night earlier, 
He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. While he was overcoming the world, they were sleeping. Circumstances couldn't hold him, and they can't hold you. So don't let them. Three things this morning. Number one, don't react to life, to circumstances like Peter did. This shall not be. This shall not be. Far be it from you, Lord. This is not the direction we should be going. This is not the purpose that should be unfolding. Far, far be it from you, Lord. Peter, mind your mouth. We have to mind our mouth. What Peter was saying was contrary to the will of God in that situation. And so we must ask the Lord for perception. We must ask the Lord for discernment and understanding. Lord, where are you going? And how can we accompany you? How can we walk with you? What is your purpose in this time? What is your purpose even in adversity and difficulty? How can we move with you? We don't react to life like Peter did at that moment. We must respond to the will of the Lord and hear his will and hear his will and his words and perceive his purpose. Number two, break the sorrow. Break the sorrow. The disciples were sleeping for sorrow. They were exceeding sorrowful. And because of that, they missed the opportunity. They missed the hour. Break the sorrowful spirit. Break the negativity. Break the depression. Break the darkness. Break the spirit of heaviness that tries to blanket us. I think it's safe to say that at least once a week, the enemy tries to cast a spirit of heaviness on us somewhere, somehow. The disciples were sleeping because of sorrow. They gave up because of the heaviness, because of the discouragement and disappointment that was upon their life. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, Isaiah 61. And the Lord has given us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let's take some beauty where there's ashes, where things that seem to have burned to nothing, where things have disintegrated in our life. The Lord says, I give you beauty for ashes. Take the beauty of the promises of God. Take the beauty of the Lord. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. The Bible says in Psalm 34, they looked unto the Lord and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Moses' face shone with the glory of God. Let the beauty of, God be, of our God be upon us. He gives the oil of joy in the place of mourning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's the way of the Lord and the garment of praise to counteract, to overcome the spirit of heaviness. When the spirit of heaviness tries to come, we rise up with our hands lifted before the Lord. We dance, we praise the Lord, we begin to sing because we know those weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. We must break the sorrow. And number three, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. When circumstances come, when heaviness comes, watch and pray. Awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Ephesians 5, 14. Awake, you who sleep, rise from the dead. Get out of the death realm. 
Get out of the death words. Get out of the death mentality. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know what it's like when somebody's sleeping, we say they, they're, they're as good as dead. Amazing things can be going on around a person, but if they're sleeping, they're, they're dead to the world. They don't understand what's going on. Even the great things that can be going on. Jesus says, awake you who sleep, rise from the dead, Christ will give you light. Get into the understanding of the Lord. Watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. The disciples didn't stay alert. They weren't keen as to the timing of what they were experiencing and what was going on in the world. And because of it, they fell into temptation. Every one of them fell into temptation that night, although Jesus had warned them. He said, watch and pray, otherwise you'll fall into temptation. They didn't watch and pray. They fell into temptation, lest you fall into temptation. We must take these things seriously. Don't react to life like Peter did. Break the sorrow. Break the negative spirit, the heavy spirit that tries to come upon you. And three, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Can we hear his words today? The Bible says, then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. Will we remember his words today? I will rise again. With Jesus Christ, when we walk with him in purpose and faith and surrender, it's never death and burial, and that's the end. With Jesus Christ, it's always death, burial, and resurrection. He always rises up in our lives and in the kingdom and in the future in a new day, for his purposes cannot be stopped. He's moving our lives and he's moving this world to the end of the age, the great day of God Almighty. What is this present distress that's upon the world and upon the church? What is this present distress? Last week I mentioned two things. Number one, it's a travail of earth. It's a visible travail, birth pangs of earth to bring forth the new day in God. Second, it's a precursor to judgment day. It's a lesser visible manifestation of the great and dreadful day of the Lord to come. But today, number three, it's also a day of opportunity in God. What is this present distress? It's a day of opportunity in God. Jesus said in the word of the Lord, Isaiah 5, 43, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Remember not the former thing. I will do a new thing. Even now will it spring forth. Will you not know it? Will you not know it? Right now, the God of heaven is moving. He wants to bring the church forth in greater power. He wants to bring the church forth in greater holiness, in greater separation. He wants to break some things off, some patterns and habits that gotten into the lives of the kingdom, into the lives of the people. God is moving unto a new day. He's a God of death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ is pressing on today, and we must be at his side. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light is come. Behold, darkness shall come upon the earth. 
Darkness shall be upon the earth and gross darkness upon the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Arise, shine, for your light is come. Right now, in this present distress, it's, it's a time to move into a new anointing, a new consecration with God, a new holiness, a new view of his purposes, a new separation unto the great and mighty call of God. The rider on the white horse is riding through the land, and we must ride with him. We all see the pale horse and how death is gathering up the souls of men and women in our time. But there's a rider on the white horse and we ride with them. And those that are with them are called faithful and true. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you today for the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we cannot be held by any of the things of this world because we're alive in you forevermore. Satan, sin, darkness, death and the grave, they could not hold you and they cannot hold us. And now like people of faith, people of understanding, Lord, let us rise with you and watch and pray. Handle life properly. Be more than conquerors in all things because of your grace and of your power a worthy bride to stand by your side, Lord, people of faith that walk with you on into the future. And we pray, Father God, your kingdom come and your will be done, that the purposes of God for this world, for time and eternity, press on to fulfillment. We honor you today. We acknowledge you. We surrender our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you today, this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for being part of the ministry. Go with God. Serve him with all your heart. God bless.